Brad was just singing, my head is spinning like a washing machine. Some nights I even cry myself to sleep or laid awake wondering if I'm in too deep. Have you ever felt like that? You were in too deep that maybe there were so many questions that seemed to bury you and you, you couldn't fight your way out? I feel like that sometimes. And I know many of you do. And, and that's why we, we did this series and we're, that we're finishing off today, Questioning God. Because I think there is a time and a place for us to, to come and bring our honest questions before God. And, and He's not afraid of them because He has answers. We might not have all the answers. And, and I, I know this has been our, our sentiment in these four weeks. We, these are deep questions that we've discussed and we don't assume that we have all the answers, but we, wanna, we want to try and give them a really honest, honest shot. So we've, we've looked at these questions. We've asked God, God, are you really good? Seriously, that was three weeks ago. Then the next week we talked about whether Jesus is the only way or not. Last week the question was, God, what were you thinking? What's, what, what was your whole plan? What's your purpose with us? What were you thinking? And then today, um, the last question that we're going to look at, for now at least, is, God, why are you so far away? Do you ever feel that he's far away? I do. Lots of questions on our website dealt with that, with, with feeling lonely, feeling abandoned by God, with um, God having retreated or, or it being so hard to even connect with him initially. I want to read you some of the questions. Somebody wrote, why have you forsaken me? God, why have you forsaken me? Another question dealt with, with prayers, whether or not they're answered. How can I know when God says no to our prayers? Another person asked, how are we supposed to have a personal relationship with Jesus when he often doesn't talk back? Somebody else wrote this, God, all I want to do is just live for you, but it seems that I can't. When I'm not living for you, I don't want to do the stuff that is wrong, but when I repent and get back right with you, I just do what is wrong, and I don't want, want, and I don't want to, but why can't I just be set free and live in the peace you have for me? Another person asked, sometimes I feel like God has stopped listening to me. How can I get his attention again? And how can I become more in tune with what God wants to do with my life? Sometimes I worry that I'm not really connecting to God. Why is it so hard to connect to God? Why does he feel so distant? Oftentimes I feel that my prayers don't go past the ceiling. That there's just nobody there listening. Because nothing seems to happen. God seems a million miles away. And oftentimes we feel like we're doing all the right things, but it doesn't seem to help any. God just doesn't seem to feel any closer than he did before. If you feel like that, I just want you to know you are not alone. You heard the questions here this morning. Those were from people that, that have made a decision to follow Jesus in their life, and yet we struggle with this. We as pastors struggle with this. And we're not the only ones throughout history that are struggling with this. All through the Bible, we find people, men and women of God, struggling with this. Actually, in, in the book of Psalms, we find lots and lots of psalms, basically songs and poems, written about this very issue. And I want to read one to you. This is David. King David wrote this psalm, Psalm 13. King David is called in the Bible a man 
after God's own heart. A man who walked closely with God. And this is what he said. He said in Psalm 13, O Lord, and by the way, I, I believe that I have a different translation here than is up on the screen. So don't worry, some of the words might be a little different. Um, something got mixed up in the transmission of those. But here we go. How, oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the light to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he has been so good to me. Can how long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? And this is just one psalm of many that, that present this kind of sentiment, this sense of, of distance between, between us and God and a lack of connection. And David is a man who heard from God, who was led by him, who was made a king from being a shepherd. God called him out of that and, and made him a shepherd, gave him great victories as a king over other nations. And yet he asks, how long will you forget me forever? And you're like, David, have you forgotten all the things God has done for you? And yet he feels this way after everything he has experienced with God. And I want to look this morning at, at some of the reasons why, why we often feel that way. And some of these reasons aren't, aren't popular. And this first one is one that, that we we'll might as well get out of the way first. And the first reason that I think... Bible tells us we often feel disconnected from God is because there is an enemy out there. And again, it's, it's not a popular topic. It's not something we want to talk about a lot, the, the devil or Lucifer, the enemy. But the Bible is very clear that we have an enemy. And in the last few weeks, we've talked a lot, of, especially last week, about God's purpose. God's purpose for you and for me is to have an intimate relationship with him. And that's what the enemy is after to distract us from that intimate relationship with him. The Bible calls him a liar, a deceiver. In, in Peter, he's called a lion who prowls around looking for people to devour. He's looking to distract us from the purpose that God has created us for. And I like to call him the, the great distractor because that's often the tool that he uses is to distract us from what's really important in our life. He's not interested in our closeness with God. He's not interested in us feeling intimate with Him. He's not interested with us, in us hearing from God and, and really having community with Him. He's not interested in that. And He will throw whatever He can our way to divert your and my attention from Him. And you know what He will often use? is lies. Lies that he plants in our minds and hearts that we start believing and acting upon. See, most of the time, the way we feel is based on something we believe. And if we believe God is distant, it's based on a lie that God has maybe pulled away from us. There's a story in the Bible. We won't look at the scripture, but it's in 1 Kings chapter 19. It's a story of a prophet called Elijah. 
It's a great prophet who, who heard from God and, and gave his messages to the people of Israel and to the kings. And at some point, he, it, there's tension between him and, and the priests of Baal and a different religion that people were following in Israel. And he has this confrontation up on Mount Carmel where he basically has a competition with the priests of Baal, but which God is real? Is Baal real or is God, the God of Israel, real? And so they, they, the competition goes like this. They built this big altar, and a huge altar of wood. And so the priests of Baal go first, and the goal is, which God is going to bring down fire from heaven out of nowhere to burn this altar? And so the priests of Baal go at it, and they dance around this altar and, and cut themselves and, and all kinds of ways to entice Baal to send down fire from heaven and devour this altar. And Elijah, actually, is, he's pretty annoying during this time. He, taunt, he actually says he taunted them, which is, by the way, my biblical basis for trash-talking. He, he goes and tells them, where is your God? Is he, is he going to the restroom right now? What's going on? Is he having a nap? See, this kind of you know, trash-talking competition here. So nothing happens. And then Elijah steps up. He actually pours water on the altar, wets it so that it really wouldn't be able to, to be lit on fire. And as he prays for God to send down fire and show that he is the real God, it happens. Fire comes from heaven. This altar is completely engulfed in flames. And the priests of Baal flee. They flee. They realize we've lost this one. And they see the power of God and out of fear they flee. And Elijah wins a great, great victory. And you would think he walks away and says, God, this was awesome. Let's go and tell people about you being real. Do you know what happens? He gets word back that the queen who worshipped Baal was very displeased with what happened and said, I'm going to come after you, Elijah. Now you would think, after having witnessed God do a miracle like this, he would think, well, that's okay, she can't touch me. But the enemy used this threat to plant a lie in his heart to say, oh, she might come after you. She might be stronger than your God. You know what happens? It tells us in, in, in uh, Kings 19 that he went into the desert, into a desolate place. He sat under a tree and was so depressed that he actually asked God. He said, God, take my life. I have had enough. Take my life. I can't do this anymore. He has a great victory, experiences God in real reality and turns right around and allows the enemy to plant this lie in his heart to the point where he is so depressed he wants to die. He believed the lie. See, often the enemy does that right after we have really experienced God. And right away we question our relationship with him. We question his reality and his power and his strength. When God feels distant... And disengaged, we really we need to ask ourselves, am I, am I believing lies here? I'm feeling God is far away. Is that, is that in reality with truth? Is that, is that what the Bible tells us about God? Or am I believing a lie here? Was a lie planted in my life that I am believing that the enemy is using to discourage and to distract me? We have to be aware of that. We have to be aware of the enemy that wants to distract us, who wants to get your attention away from God in your life and His presence in your life. So we have an enemy. That's one reason. The second reason is closely connected 
to that enemy. It's another unpopular topic. So we're going to get these right out of the way here. The second topic is, or the second reason you might feel disengaged and distant from God could be because there is what the Bible calls sin in your life. This is what I mean with sin. Sin is any choice that we make that takes us off the target of following Jesus. See, the Bible tells us that we should keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And if we're followers of him, what do we got to do to follow him? We got to keep our eyes on him to, to, to keep following him. Sin is taking our eyes off that, anything that wants to distract and following a different direction. And again, the enemy we just talked about is very, very crafty at putting those choices before us and make them look really, really good. But they distract us from God and put distance between us and Him. You know, this is true in our relationships. Um, in my relationship with my wife, Sandrine, if you haven't met her, you really need to. She's awesome. But when I start making selfish choices in our relationship, you know what that does? Distance. Right away. I start making selfish choices where I choose football over her or or other things. You know, this is just hypothetical. You know this, right? If if I make selfish choices that that distract from what is right, there's going to be distance and there's going to be there's going to be time that has to be made up for that. I remember growing up, whenever, whenever I made choices that I know my parents wouldn't approve of, and there were a few of those, just a few, but even though my parents might not know about that, in my heart, all of a sudden, there was a disengaging. Have you ever experienced that? Even if people that don't know about the choices you've made, but you know this isn't right and they would disapprove, there is a disengaging taking place. And often, my mom or my father would come to me and say, Christian, what? What's going on with you? So, well, what? Everything's okay? I said, no, you've, you've disengaged. We haven't, we haven't had real heart-to-heart talks. You haven't opened up to me anymore. What, what's going on? And, and they could sense it. Even though they didn't know what the choices were, there was disengagement that took place because of choices that I made. Our choices, positively or negatively, affect the closeness in our relationships. With our relationships with each other, and our relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's the same with Him. It's a relationship where our choices affect our sense of closeness with Him. Our sense of closeness to Him is directly proportionate to our obedience to Him. I want to read you a Psalm, verse 34. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 15 says this, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayers. God's attentiveness to our prayers, God's responsiveness to our prayers is directly related to our righteousness. It's directly related to the way that we live our lives in response to Him. I want to give you a really specific verse, and this is for all the husbands out here. In 1 Peter 3.7, it says this, In the same way, you husbands must give, must give honor to your wives. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's, in God's gift. If you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. Is that specific enough? If I, as a husband, 
Don't treat my wife in a God-honoring way, in a way that he wants me to, to reflect God in my relationship with my wife. If I don't treat her right, the effectiveness of my prayers, my closeness, my sense of closeness to God is directly affected by my obedience to him. God and and sin just don't go together. See, that's why the Bible tells us he is a holy God. And a holy God cannot have relationship with sin. You heard the story of, of Jesus, um, Jesus' crucifixion. You know what took place when Jesus was on the cross? Jesus took on all the sin of the world. Every choice that was ungodly, he took on himself. And what did he say at that moment when it got dark? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Son of God, who was righteous but willingly took on all the sins of the world, was disconnected from a holy God because God could not be in the presence of sin. And the same is true for your life and for my life. Could there be sin? In your life, could there be choices that you have made that affect your sense of closeness with God? Could it be that, that by some choices you have made, you've taken your eyes off Jesus and taken a little detour? I think if we have the sense of, of detachment from God, we have to ask ourselves these questions. The third reason why we might feel disengaged from God could be that it has nothing to do with the enemy and nothing to do with choices you've made. But it could be, the Bible tells us, that God is taking you through a time of teaching. A time where he wants to teach you things about himself, teach you perseverance, teach you things about yourself. Could it be that there might be a time in your life where God intentionally just, just retreats a step and lets you, lets you do your things? You know, I do this with my kids, not all the time, but quite a bit. You know, I have, I have two sons that are very strong-willed. They, they, they think they know what they're doing. And sometimes I just let Kenny, I just let him, let him do some things. And I know he can't, but he doesn't know that yet. He thinks he can. And so he, that's a, a toy that he needs to put together, you know, and, and it just doesn't work. You know what happens to him? Oh, my gosh, he's got a temper. <laughs> I'll tell you. And he gets frustrated but he, you know, he, he wants to do this. And so I retreat and I just watch. And then all of a sudden, he realizes, I can't do this by myself. And he becomes willing to then invite me in to help, help him do the, what he wants to do. Show him what needs to be done. But you see, he had, to, he had to learn humility. He had to learn, I can't do it. He had to learn his dependence on me in certain things. Could it be that if you feel alone, when, when you feel distant from God, that God retreated a couple of steps to, he's right there, but that he, he's not intervening because he wants you to learn things about yourself, things about your own pride, your own self-sufficiency? Could it be that he wants to teach us humility and recognize our need for him so that he can step back in James 1, verses 2 through 4, talks about this. 
He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind. And a trial can be a, a time of loneliness, of, of feeling distant from God. That you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So could it be that when we feel this distance that God is, is right around the corner, just stepped out to let us learn a few things so that he can step back in and teach us perseverance in the process and, and teach us trust in him? See, I, I spoke... Um, North last week, and I, I talked about Acts 17, and I believe Dave mentioned this verse here too, that God places us in specific times, um, in specific places, so that we have a chance to seek him and find him. And you know what it says? It's because he's not far away. He's never far away. Because he wants to be found. Could it be that the distance we feel sometimes is is really only a distance in our hearts, in our minds. I read a great quote, and I don't know who it is from, but it says, if you feel far away from God, it's not because God has moved. It's because we, we have placed distance in our hearts. And the Bible tells us he is never far away. We have an enemy there's sin in our lives that place distance. And then sometimes God uses these times not because we've done anything wrong or, or there is an enemy, but because he wants to teach us about himself and about us. And before we go to the fourth reason, I want to take a, a quick time out here and, and look at some, some solutions for these reasons. The fourth reason is, is a little bit of a different animal, and I, I want to touch on that in the end. We've only focused on what, what the reasons are. We haven't focused on solutions at all. So we have an enemy. Yes, we have an enemy who tries to distract you. He tries to distract me from my attention and my closeness to God. But what can I do about that? What can I do about these enemies' distractions? You know what you can do? We can build time into our routines of undistracted times with God. Where we intentionally draw into our relationship with Him. Again, if you're married or in other relationships, we do this all the time. If, if I feel in my relationship with my wife or with a friend, but I'm going to use, use my wife uh, for this illustration, if, if I feel there's distance in our, in our relationship because, for whatever reason, and this happened yesterday, we, uh, I, I got an invitation to the Real Salt Lake game yesterday, and I could have gone to that. It would have been fun. They made the playoffs. But my wife and I have had very little time this week. It's just been busy. We, we've had hardly any time, and we have felt just, just a little disconnect. And so we made the decision last night that I would not go to the soccer game, but that we would, would spend time together and, and just hang out and, and reconnect and talk and, and share what's been going on this week. And, and we feel connected again. Undistracted time is needed in relationships that need reconnecting. And we need that in our relationship with God. We need to find a time and a place where we can eliminate distractions. And this might look different for you than it does for me. You know, you, for you it might be going up into the mountains and just, just enjoying God's creation and no distractions. For me, it's, it's often sports. It's really weird. Going running or, or biking. That's when I can really connect with God. No distractions. And you need to find where is that? Where is that time and that place where I can just be uninterrupted 
undistracted time and attention with your Lord and your Savior. And oftentimes that, that is in the quiet. Elijah, when he felt like just dying, when he was depressed, he wanted to reconnect with God. And, and, and the Bible tells us there was a, a big thunderstorm that came and it felt majestic, but God wasn't in that. It was all kinds of big, there was an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there came this gentle wind and whisper, and God was in that. See, sometimes we just need to quiet down our lives. And I tell you, that is hard, isn't it? In the culture that we live in. And to be, I tell you the truth, we've lived here for a year now. It was easier in Germany. The pace of life here, I tell you, is brutal. It really is. And it takes intentionality to slow that down. And I just want to challenge you, if you feel disconnected from God, find that time. It doesn't have to be at four in the morning. But find that time where you can be undistracted and give God the attention that he deserves and draw back into that relationship with him. Another way we can battle the enemy's distractions and lies is that we don't live by our feelings, but that we choose to live in truth. See, so often we, we live by our feelings, don't we? We buy impulsively. We make decisions based on our emotions. But we've got to focus in on the truth. And when we feel God is distant and he isn't there, we want to believe, well, God just doesn't care about you. He doesn't listen. about Who are you that God would draw into you? And your prayers are ineffective. Those are lies. How do you, what do you do with lies? You replace them with truth. You replace them with truth. And that's what, what David did in this Psalm 13. He, he talks to him and says, God, you feel so distant. Are you, have you forgotten me? Will you forget me forever? But then in verse 5, he turns a corner. I don't know if you noticed that when we read through it the first time. If we can put it back on the screen. In, so the first four verses are all about, God, you feel distant. Have you forgotten me? But then he makes a choice in verse 5. He says this, but I trust in your unfailing love. Okay, this is how I feel right now. I feel you're distant. I feel you have forgotten me. But okay, let me focus back in here. I know that you love me and I trust in your unfailing love. We've got to replace these lies with the truth of what God has revealed about himself. The truth about him in relationship to us. In Romans 8, Paul writes this. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then in verse 20, uh, 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from God's love. We have got to replace the lies with the truth of what God has told us about himself. So we have an enemy, but we have victory over that enemy. Through Jesus Christ, we have victory over him, and the lies that he wants to tell us, we can battle with the truth. So we have an enemy. The second reason was that... Uh, that there might be sin in our lives. 
You know what it takes in my relationship with my wife when I have done things that have upset her that weren't right? You know what it takes to make that right again? No? Not a new dress or a diamond? doesn't take that. You know what it takes? It takes me to say, honey, I'm sorry. I am sorry, honey. Do you know what? In, in 14 years of marriage, that has worked every time. Now, sometimes then she wants to talk and talk and talk about it, right? But that's okay. <laughs> but when I come honestly and truly and say, honey, I am sorry. I, I was a knucklehead. She said, yeah. Yeah, you were. But I forgive you. That's what it takes to restore intimacy with my wife. And that is all it takes to restore intimacy with God when we have allowed sin to put, to put distance between us and him. We have a really big theological, biblical word for that. It's called repentance. Repentance. You know what that literally means? It literally means realizing you're going in the wrong direction and turning around 180 degrees and walking away from it. That's what repentance means. So it's a little more than sorry. It's, I'm sorry that was wrong, and I won't do this again. Hebrews 3.12 says this, See to it, brothers, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. See, that's what the sin does. It, it turns us away from God and repentance turns us back around where we can walk back in his direction and follow him. And the beauty with God is he will always accept your apology without talking it to death afterwards. <laughs> and he won't remind you of it five days or five years or 15 years later. You know what the Bible tells us? What he does when we repent and we bring it before him, he throws it into the deepest part of the ocean. It is forgiven and forgotten for eternity. So if you've been following Jesus and you feel like he's gone out of sight, could it be that, that you've taken your eyes off him and taken a little detour and all it, all it takes is say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I got distracted over here with things I shouldn't have been distracted with, but I want to turn back. I want to follow you again. I want to encourage you that if, if that's how you're feeling, I want to encourage you to just search your hearts and allow God to search us. Say, God, would you please reveal to me what's in my heart that's, that's placing the sense of distance between us? What is it that, that I need to bring before you? And he will reveal it to you. Sometimes we're just not aware of what it is. But he will bring it to your attention. And the Bible tells us if we confess our sin, he is quick to forgive. And it's done and dealt with. And then if, if you're going through a time where God is, is teaching you, I, I don't want to minimize that. And in a, in a lot of the questions that we had on Question God TV, there's, there's a lot of pain in those questions. Even in some of the questions you asked this morning. God, why were you distant? Why were you distant in the most difficult time of my life? Why, why did I not sense you? you know, I, again, I don't have a final answer to that. But I want to encourage you to to follow David's example here, where he says, I will, in the midst of this, I trust in your unfailing love. And then in verse 6, he said this in Psalm 13. He says, I will sing to the Lord because he has been so good to me. He trusts in his love and he makes a decision to worship him. 
See, that is living in truth and not by our feelings. And again, I don't want to minimize feelings. They are real, they are deep, and they can hurt badly. But they don't negate the truth of God's word, and that is that he loves you unconditionally, that he wants to be in an intimate, deep, meaningful relationship with you, where he wants to pour out his love over you. But sometimes that means teaching us trust and teaching us perseverance because we need it and he knows it. So I want to encourage you to against all feelings when you are feeling that way to to put your trust in his love and to will to decide to worship him nonetheless. Often it takes a step of faith that goes beyond our feelings for God to act and for, for that intimacy to be restored. Not because it feels so good. <laughs> Oftentimes we don't worship because it feels good or because he feels close. But we worship him because he saved us and because he loves us and because he deserves it. So if you feel distant from him today, I want to encourage you, put your trust in him and worship him, even though it's hard. And that, that brings me to the fourth reason. Now I want to go back to the, the reasons why we feel distant from him. The fourth reason, and this is one that was so real in my life for very, very long. The fourth reason why we might feel distant from him is because maybe, just maybe, we don't really know him yet. Maybe we really haven't understood what he wants from us yet. I want to tell you a little bit of what that felt like in my life. You know, I grew up in a home with very godly parents. My father was a lay pastor and ran a business, but but um, planted a couple of churches. And so I grew up knowing, knowing all the right things, knowing what was expected of me, what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to live as a young follower of Jesus. And especially I knew the things I wasn't supposed to do as a follower of Jesus. And and I saw a real intimate love relationship that my parents had with Jesus. There was never a doubt in my mind about that. And I knew I wanted that. But I tell you, for the longest time, probably till I was 20 years old, there was nothing but frustration and nothing but a feeling of distance and disengagement with God. It came to the point where I, where I felt I was turning schizophrenic because I was trying to do the right things. <laughs> But it wasn't leading to what I read about in the Bible and what I saw in my parents' life, this, this fulfilling, intimate relationship with God. And I came to the point where I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I know you're real, but you're so far away, I just can't do it anymore. I'm going crazy here. And so I committed to him and said, I'm going to give you six months. And I might have told this story before. If I have, um, bear with me. I told him, I'll give you six months. I'm going to go to a short-term Bible school, and I'm really going to dig in. I want to know what it is that I'm missing. But if I don't get it, I'm sorry. I'm going to walk away. I can't do it anymore. And during that time in, at this Bible school was the first time that I understood that what God desires from me is not following a set of rules, <laughs> following a set of do's and don'ts. All he wanted from me was a true relationship. All he wanted from me was accepting and receiving his love and, and loving him back. You know, if my kids, if all they were to do would 
to be obedient to me, to do what I tell them to do and not do what I don't tell them to do, wow, that would be a pretty shallow relationship. That's not what I want from my children, and that is not what God wants from you. And we could have the best of intentions. Do all the right things. Show up here every Sunday morning to set up stage or come to church every Sunday. Read our Bible every day and and give to the needy and do all the right things and be disconnected from God because we haven't really received his love and his forgiveness and we haven't entered into that relationship. We're just following a set of rules. And so it feels like we're doing all the right things, but we're not in relationship with him. See, if we really know God, then we know that he's not impressed by our do's and don'ts. Then we know that we can't earn our way to him as our father. It's about repenting and receiving his love and loving him back and living with him intimately. So if you feel disconnected from God despite doing all the right things, could it be, could it just be that you've been trying to earn his approval by the things you do and don't do? Could it be that you've just been following a set of rules? If that's so, I want you to hear this verse from James 4, verse 8. It says this, Come near to God, and God will come near to you. You sinners, clean clean sin out of your lives. You who are trying to follow God and the world at the same time, make your thinking pure. It says, how do you come to me? How do you draw near to me? You draw near to me, I draw near to you by getting rid of sin in your life. And how do we do this? Not by a set of rules. He tells us in Ephesians 2.13 how we do this. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near. Through what? Through the blood of Christ. So if you feel distant, if you don't feel near to him, is it maybe because you haven't accepted what Jesus did on the cross for you? Why he shed his blood for you and for me? I want to tell you again this morning, it's not about what you do or don't do. It's about accepting his forgiveness and following him. So why, why does God feel so far away? He isn't. We are. If we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. He has promised that. And again, one way that we can do that, Paul, David wrote about that in the psalm, one way that we can draw near to him is through worship. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to do that through various ways this morning. We're, we're going to share communion with each other this morning. Communion is something that, that Jesus told his disciples to do right before he, he was arrested and killed. He told them, do this when you get together to remember me, to remember what I have done for you. And as we just heard, what he has done for us is our basis of being intimate with him, of being in a close relationship to him. And so we want to do that this morning. We want to remember what Jesus has done. So we we will have communion together. We will have bread that symbolizes Jesus' body that was broken for you and for me. And then we will drink some grape juice representing Jesus' blood that was shed for the forgiveness of your sins in my sense, so that we can be redeemed and reconciled to a relationship with God. So during this first song that we, we will sing together, um, 
I believe this will be passed out. So if you just want to stay, sit down and, and receive this. Um, if you are a follower of Jesus, then I just want to invite you to, to share in this communion with us, to remember what Jesus has done for us.